nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So take a seat and enjoy the ride. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Mad Overmind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And today, I have another two-time guest. In fact, I think we recorded this episode around the same time last year or something like that. But it's a two-time guest, award-winning registered nutritionist, and Anya. And before the talk, and we're just kind of catching up, and she was talking about how the, all the fantastic things that she's doing. I've been following her on Instagram for a while and see her work. And like almost every week, I see a client testimonial. I mean, her work is just so groundbreaking. Again, that's why I say award-winning registered nutritionist. She really knows her work. And I've had other people ask me to get her back on the show. And now, Ask Me Shall Deliver and is back for you today. And of course, we're going to have a hack of the episode. And Anne is going to break down how the food or how food communicates with her DNA. And that's really something to pay attention to, especially we're talking about getting healthier, losing weight, we're talking about fitness. We know about calories, we know about macros, but we're going to talk about how it actually communicates with your DNA, which helps you in the long term. With that being said, we'll go welcome Anne to the show. Hey, Anne, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Lovely to be here again. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm, I'm, it's really cool because I think you're my second or third, second time guest. So that's freaking awesome. So that's freaking awesome. With that being said, uh, tell my clients about yourself. Okay. My name is Anne. I'm a registered nutritionist and a certified health coach. I help clients to transform their health, their weight, and their lives by focusing on nutrition, fitness, coaching, and girl health. I believe if you take the time to take care of you from within, it will set you on a path of good health. I believe that too. And she's being a little humble, everybody. There's a lot more to add than that. But since, since that's all she's going to give you, I'm just, we're going to go with that, right? Now, let's jump into the questions today. One easy question that I know the answer to, you know the answer to, and probably most people listening are going to know the answer to, but is there one perfect diet? And if there is or isn't, why or why not? No, there's no one perfect diet. We are all biochemically different. We all respond to food differently. We all, we all have different gut microbiomes. We have different cultural and social preferences. And we have different environmental preferences. So there's no one perfect diet for everyone. We respond to food differently. So even though at the time when a study was done on a set of twins, they found out that even though they had the same guts, they had the same um, genetic makeup, but it's still responded to food differently because they had different gut microbiomes. So we can't, there's no one perfect that we respond to food differently. So when we say different gut microbiome, can you break that down a little bit more for the audience? Okay, you know, like the gut is housed with trillions of bacteria, which make up your gut microbiome. You have your good, good bacteria and the bad bacteria. So that gut microbiome is different for everyone. So it depends on the, the kind of diet you're, you're eating and your lifestyle. So everybody will have a different 
gut microbiome makeup. So uh, that one can affect how you respond to food. So what I'm hearing is that even though, like, for example, in the case of the twins, that study, even though they had the um, same parents, right, and born at the same time, the bacteria that's in their gut, that, 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 that ecosystem in their gut of good and bad bacteria was different. Hence, how they respond to food is different. So that's why someone can say, oh, I went on keto and I lost all this weight and I did great. And somebody else can go on keto and it just completely doesn't work out. Because not just with gut bacteria, it's also um, your, your gut enzymes. You know, if, you're, if you have more lipase versus amylase, for example, to break down foods properly. So that's something that also plays a mixture, uh, mixture in it too. So yeah, so having a, the, the right ecosystem is definitely right. Now, also, you mentioned something about the out, the, our, our environment, right? So were you talking about the external environment or were you also talking about the gut environment? We're talking about external environments as well, because for example, like you know, it depends on where you're living. You can respond differently to the food, the climate. You may not be able to digest the food. Like some, there's some foods that are suited for the warmer climate and some are suited for the colder climate. So if you bring that food, your body may struggle to digest the food in a warmer climate if the food is meant for a colder climate. So the environment plays a role in how you respond to food as well. An example for an also, if you if you also finish an exercise, you may it may also affect the way you respond to food. So there's so many things to take into consideration when it comes to the way you respond to food. So there's no perfect diet for everyone. Right. So that makes sense. So let's say someone like my like I was born and raised in Jamaica, and the foods that we ate were different than the foods that are over here. So when I move over here, a lot of a lot of times what we do is we try to take those same foods and eat them because okay, we're in this, you know, we're that's what we're used to. But you have to eat for the environment that you're in. Not saying that I'm not going to eat stuff that you know from Jamaica from time to time, but that can be a big part of your, a big part of your diet because you're in a physically in a different environment. That's why we talk about eating seasonally, and even not just country to country, state to state. In Florida, I always say to people, I don't eat grapes from California because I don't live in California. Because and, and that's a big thing here that like we are, we import foods a lot. We're like you know California grapes or wherever wherever this come from, and then another part with the, with the constant um, importing is that we get exposed to the same foods all year round, and we don't think about that you know because cause we're in, we we incorporate importing food for warmer climates when we're in colder climates when we're not supposed to, and this also impacts our gut microbiome and our gut enzymes, right? So thank you so much for breaking that down. Now, let's go a little bit deeper now. Let's talk about the connection. Let's talk about movement. Because I remember the last time we talked about movement, and I'm sure you have more stuff to add to this, right? So what are some connections between movement and weight loss? Okay, you know, as human beings, we are designed to move. We are not designed to be, to be sedentary at all. Even just movement, like 15 minutes a day, just walking can help you to burn some calories. And I know like when it comes to weight loss, strength training is one of the most effective ways to lose fat because of um, what it can do for you to burn calories. You can get lean muscle mass. It also helps with your insulin. It helps your insulin system to work better. So there are different kinds of movements that you can do, but the most important thing is for you to move because as humans, we are not designed to be sedentary. We are designed to move. And when you say different types of movement, what are you, what do you mean? Okay, like, um, I know, like, apart from, even if you're doing exercise, that, that's fine. But even, even if, let's say, for example, you, you walk out, like, three times a week. But you also make sure, you have to make sure that you're also moving the other, time, other days you're not walking out. Because you have to make sure you remain active. So it's not just the days you go to, maybe, let's say, if you go to the gym or you do workouts at home. It's not only the days where you, where you do your workouts in the gym or at home. You've got to be moving every day. For example, you've got to get up and move. Just walk, walk around because 
you're not designed to just sit down. You're designed to move. Ah, that's true. And that's something that we get lost with this, you know, new year, new me kind of mentality, because we get into the gym and we're like, oh, I'm going to work out for an hour a day for four or five days a week or whatever. I'm like, okay, let's say, first of all, most people don't work out seven days a week unless you're me and, you know, just crazy or something. But, you know, um, let's say you do, right? And you work out an hour a day. You still have 23 hours left. That one hour doesn't have as much impact on those 23 hours as you think. It does have an impact. But what you do in those 23 hours, if you work out and then you sit on the couch for the rest of the time, you're still not going to accomplish much. I mean, of course, outside of movement, there's sleep, there's nutrition, there's all these other factors, supplementation, all that stuff that plays into it, right? But the movement is important. Also, the type of movement, and I want to stress to my audience, because one of the biggest mistakes we make is we over cardio, we under strength train, and we hear that a lot. But what I want to add to that is that we don't do any, enough type two training. When we the, the issue with, with cardio often is that when we do cardio, we try to push our heart rate as high as it possibly can go. That is one of the biggest mistakes that we make because when you do that, you're taking it out of zone two, which is a, which promotes fat oxidation, breaking down fat, and we move into zone three or zone four, which promotes using carbs and sugars and energy because you're overstressing your body at that point. So the goal of your training, of your cardio, most of your cardio should be done in zone two. Bodybuilders do it a lot. Bodybuilders will get on the stepper and they will step on it for like 45 minutes, an hour. It's the most boring thing in the world, but they will do it. My friends make fun of me because I'll get on the bike at the, at the gym and I'll call them just to have somebody on the phone while I'm on the bike because I'm bored sitting there for like 30, 45 minutes or whatever. But you know, it does its job. It really helps you to break down fat. So, if, so, in, so focus on strength training, but also make sure that you, you're adding in that zone two cardio. And then outside of that, try to get your 10,000 steps a day as well. Movement. I had one guy on the show, Captain Khaled is what we call him. And uh, he, he lost, I think, was it seven inches around his waist? And his A1C went down, um, I think it was 6.5 to 5.5, I believe. And this was by taking 35,000 steps a day. Now, I'm not saying that everybody should do that. That's a lot of steps. But what he did was if he had to like read emails that he didn't have to respond to, he would take his laptop and walk around the pond or walk around the office or little <laughs> stuff like that. Like if he's watching TV or something, he'll like move around. Like he found different ways to get his steps in things yeah. that he instead of just sitting on the couch. So adding all those things together instead of just trying to outride uh, outrun a bad diet would, is going to be a better option for you. Yeah. I, I, I thought you had something to say, so I'll pause for no, a second. No, 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 this one's good. no. It's just, it's, it's not just, like you said, it's not just what you do in the gym or what you do at home. Okay? You're going to be moving all the time. You're going to keep moving. Stay active all the time. Yeah, like yard work. You know, that helps you to burn calories, believe it or not. You know, um, is those things that you do outside constant movement is really what's going to make the difference. What you do yes. in the gym is the icing, is the icing on the cake, I guess you would say. Yeah. Now let's talk about a topic I love to talk about is DNA. Okay. First, my first question is, because we hear DNA, we hear genome, we hear all these words. What is DNA? DNA is something that is found throughout all the cells in the body. And DNA is what contains your genes, your old genetic code, which is unique for everyone. So inside the DNA, you have your genetic code, which is unique for everyone. So that's what DNA is. It's found so, so that means that let's say the example of the twin that we're talking about, two twins are born. Are they born mm -hmm. with two, two different types of DNA? 
No, you have a DNA, but inside the DNA, you have your genes, your genetic code, which makes you unique. So obviously you, you get genes from, the, the twins will get genes from both parents, right? And let's say, for example, now, let's say, for example, there's, there's, a, there's a family history of heart disease, right, in the family. So maybe the twins will now inherit those genes from, from their parents. But the thing about that is that those genes can remain turned on or turned off. So, for example, the food you eat talks to your DNA. It talks to your DNA to, and it either turns on the genes or it turns you off. So even if you have the genes for, even if you inherited the genes for heart disease from your parents, it doesn't mean you will get heart disease. Those genes can remain turned on or turned off depending on the choices you make in life. So what I'm hearing is you're talking about epigenetics, right? Yeah. Which, interesting enough, the CDC had an article on it. I can't seem to find it. But during COVID, I remember I was doing some research for one of my episodes, and I found the article from the CDC. It's talking about the importance of epigenetics, and it based, and they also list some scientific studies, but it's exactly what you're talking about is turning certain genes on and off. It's basically saying that, okay, I'm at risk for such. Like me, for example, you know, I'm asthma is something that basically almost everybody in my family struggle with, eczema. Well, guess what? I don't have those issues anymore. Why? By making epigenetic changes. The scientific studies are showing now that your that your gene expression is really, or genes, I should say, is really only responsible for like ten percent or so of of your of your illness. Most of it comes down to the habits that you change that you have. Hence, your gene expression turned on and off based on the decisions that you've made over time. You know, I've had somebody say to me, I've had people say to me, you know, I've been diabetic. I'm diabetic because everybody in my family is diabetic. I say, yeah, but you're also. Uh, 40 50 pounds overweight and so is everybody else in your family so you never made any choices whatsoever to reverse this obviously so hence you're going to still be diabetic so you know we we, we kind of give we kind of look at oh i mean here like in jamaica people used to say i read people say i'm big bone that's why uh that's how i'm overweight i'm just big bone and i'm like i don't care about your bone i'm talking about your fat like, but, but that's why I was my joke response to that but but that's just an excuse i'm big bone but you still eat the same crap Maybe you have a slower metabolism. Maybe you don't have the right gut environment that you should to break down foods properly. But if you make the right changes, you can definitely adjust that. Yeah. Um, there's a study I read a while ago about two brothers who, who the family, there was a family history of heart disease. So they, fo they followed these two brothers from when they were young to they became adults and they got married and had their own families. So what they found out was that for the, the first brother, his lifestyle, he, his job was very um, stressful. He he smoked a lot. He drank a lot of alcohol. His diet was poor. He didn't do any exercise because he worked really hard. He ended up having heart disease, diabetes, and all that stuff. But the other brother, his own lifestyle was different. He His job was less stressful. His diet was pretty good. He did some exercise. He didn't smoke. He didn't, have, he didn't drink any alcohol. He didn't have any of those heart disease or diabetes. So even though both of them inherited both even though those diseases ran in the family, one of them had it and one did not based on the choices they made with their diet and lifestyle. That's, that's, that's absolutely powerful, absolutely true. And I like that within that you say his diet was pretty good because a lot of times we get tied up in this all or nothing mindset. It's not that, okay, I'm going to eat lean chicken and broccoli the rest of my life and I'm going to be healthy. And that's, not, that's why it's important to work with, a, with an expert like Anne because she explains, you, explains all these things, how to eat for your DNA, your gene, turn on and off certain gene expression. And she get um, into the movement, to the importance that movement plays. And she talks about inflammation, oxidative stress, and all these other habits that pay an importance in getting you what you're supposed to get instead of just thinking, you know what? 
let me just try something. And if it doesn't work after a couple of weeks, let's go back to what I was doing before. It's not, you don't have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect, number one. And then if you're going to do something, it's all about doing the right things. I can't say, I cannot sit here and say, I've never eaten fast food. In my, I can't say I've never eaten fast food this year. Like, I really can't say that. You know, my brother and I had a conversation yesterday. I was like, sometimes I'm rushing and I'll just grab something quick that that's by me because, you know, I, I train seven days a week. So I have to eat all the freaking time. So, you know, so it happens. It's part of life. But that's not close to being a, a majority in how I eat. You know, and those are the things that we really have to look at. It's not about eat well, enjoy. And also by eating well over time, eating seasonally, eating natural foods and good foods over it, as your gut environment changes, so will the foods that you like to eat will change because, because, and we were talking about that before, like the gut and the gut bacteria, good, healthy bacteria craves healthy prebiotic fiber, bad bacteria craves sugars and things that you should not be eating anyway. And that's one thing that I tell people, if you have a, if a lot of times we think we have a willpower problem with food. It's not a willpower problem. It's a gut problem. Once your gut is fixed yeah. and you have the right gut environment, your cravings will change. Yeah, that's true. Yes, you're right. It's a gut problem, really. Do you have anything to add to that, Anne? Yeah, because if you're if you have more of the bad bacteria over the, than the good ones, if you have a, an imbalance called dysbiosis, you're going to crave more of the processed food because that's you have more of the bad bacteria in you. But if you have more of the good bacteria in you, you're going to crave natural whole food because that's what they want. So really, your your choice is, is is more than willpower. You can't ignore your gut. You have to look at the state of your gut when it comes to things like that. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Anne, for sharing that. And now that being said, we're coming up to the Hackity episode. But before I do the Hackity episode, everyone, and now I'm going to talk to you about HEAL. You see, HEAL is 100% science-backed essential amino acid formulation designed to reduce recovery times and improve physical function by accelerating muscle repair, by helping you to maintain a healthy inflammatory response. You know, I love to talk about healthy inflammatory response because when we train, we naturally create inflammation. So HEAL helps you to respond well to that inflammation, aka can also help you reduce some of that soreness too. You see, the EA profile of HEAL was originally developed to help NASA astronauts maintain muscle mass in space, and then it was refined to help everyday people like myself who are experiencing prolonged periods of inactivity, meaning that HEAL helps you post-workout, but also during times of inactivity as well to help you to heal and perform better and to maintain your muscle mass. I drink HEAL every day, usually twice a day, one post-workout, like with, within an hour, and the next later on in the day as well. The uh, the, the formulation is so brilliant because not only does it have the, the perfect EAA profile, not, not BCAs, but EAA profile, but whey protein concentrate along with creatine, which just about everyone in the, in the, in the business knows is great for anyone who lifts weights, right? Or should I say strength train? A recent clinical trial compared one scoop and two scoop amounts of heal with high quality whey protein, and they measured the whole body protein synthesis and breakdown. And the response to heal was found to be three times larger than whey protein on a gram-to-gram basis. Again, because it's not just because of the whey protein concentrate, but it also has the creatine and the right EAA profile, which helps improve your body's response to it. So visit aminoco.com slash Zico Health. You can get 30% off all the amino, um, amino-based products, including our Perform, which I talk about as well. And the link to the website will be in the description of the episode. And with that being said, we're coming back to Anne, or we're going to have the hack of the episode 
So, Anna, we kind of hint on this already, but put this in a nice, pretty bowl from our audience, right? How does food communicate with our DNA? Okay. You know, the DNA is the DNA is found in every cell in the body. And your DNA has your genetic code, which is unique to everybody. So the food you eat talks to your DNA. And it turns your gene or it turns your genes on and off. So like in so your genes does not determine your future. So for example, maybe there's a family history of heart disease or family history of diabetes. So you may have those genes in you, which you which you inherited from your family. But it doesn't mean so the food, the food choices you make can either turn on those genes or turn them off. So the food you the food you eat is more than just calories, it's more than just micronutrients and macronutrients. The food, the food you eat is information. It talks to your DNA and it turns genes on or off. So even if you have a family history of a certain disease, it doesn't mean you will have it. It depends on your choices. Those genes can remain turned on or they can remain turned off depending on the food choices you make and also your lifestyle as well. So does that mean then, is it a thing of kind of calculating, okay, I need to eat this food to prevent this disease kind of thing? Or is it more like I need to eat more seasonally clean, healthy foods for, um, to, to be the best health I can be? That's it. You need to eat more seasonal, healthy food. Just need to eat healthy. You know, like there's no perfect diet. You cannot, you cannot be perfect all the time. You know, like you got to try like 80% of the time, eat well. You know, 80% of the time, eat natural, healthy, whole food. You know, natural. It's not about, it's not about, um, okay, like everybody's different. You can be vegan, you can be vegetarian. There's no perfect diet for everyone. There's, I wouldn't say this is a perfect diet. No, you, you got to listen to your body. But as long as you're, what you're eating is is natural, is whole, and is healthy, go for one single food, one single nutrient, one single nutrient food. So for example, avocado, there's no label on it. Fish, there's no label on it. Meat, there's no label on it. Um, strawberries, there's no label on it. So go for things like that compared to all the food that are all processed with lots of ingredients in them. Right, because when you process food, not only are you robbing it of some of the nutrients that comes with it naturally, you're also adding in the things that don't come naturally, which your body is not designed to break down in high amounts, right? You've even seen on my page where I put up... Uh, you know, this such and such is banned in certain countries because it's shown to promote, you know, cancer or, you know, different types of diseases and stuff. And the thing is, I live in the U.S. where we eat these things all the time. I know it happens in different places of the world. I'm not even just talking about, about the U.S. where we eat these things all the time. And they were like, oh, my God, I can't believe I have this. Oh, my God, I can't believe I have that. And the doctor's like, okay, let me put you on some prescription um, and see what happens or whatever. Without addressing that, the fact that you're still eating the crap that's causing the issue. I mean, there is... I had someone one time that mentioned like we're fasting and he's like, well, fasting um, is just is just about calories. I said, well, no, it's not just about calories. If you talk about weight management, that's one piece. But fasting also helps with resetting the gut microbiome. It helps with cellular autophagy, you know, which is cleaning up the cleaning up the body because at that point, the body has no choice but to do that. It helps with uh, lowering inflammation, oxidative stress. Give Zoe one of the largest, um, actually, they run the largest nutritional studies in the world. I had um, their scientists on the show and he mentioned that most people struggle with health because they're always in a post-digestive state, meaning that they're always eating. Their body never gets that break. And I've broken down on my shorts. I said, like fasting, for example, doesn't mean you have to wait until two o'clock to eat. I don't even do that. What I do is, other than my my maybe 24-hour fast from time to time, but what I do is I finish my last meal three hours before bed. 
I added my sleeping time, seven to eight hours, usually about eight hours or so, nine hours if I'm feeling froggy. And then I uh, I add a few hours when I wake up and then that's my fast is over. So if I wake up at, let's say, 630, I may not eat till about 10. And that's how I do my fast. I just do, I do the big difference is I give my time break before before bed. I did my sleeping hours and I wait a few hours the next morning. That's it. I brought that down to someone one day and, and she said, I fast and I didn't even know. I said, exactly. Because people are thinking about, you know, you have to wait till two, three o'clock in the evening to fast. Who does that? Especially if you're, you have a busy lifestyle and you train, right? But epigenetics is those things you're talking about. It's one of those big habits that can help you, that can help you. And it seems you have something on the tip of your tongue as well. No, well, um, even like when it comes to fasting, that's what I do with my clients. I, I normally tell them it's an eating window. You need to have an eating window where the window when you start eating and the window when you stop eating, you know, like obviously the, the window where you stop, you have to like try and stop three hours before you go to bed. So the body has time to digest the food before you go into bed. And then, and then you, and then you now have the window where you, where you start. So it's good for the window. It's good for your eating window to be shorter than the window you're not eating. So the body has time to clean up. Your body has time. Your gut has time to rest. Because when you keep eating, eating all the time, your gut has no time. Your, your gut doesn't get a break, which is not really healthy. So right. fasting is really good. And then the thing with the stop eating kind of thing people don't understand is when you eat, your body naturally raises its core temperature, which makes it hard for you to fall asleep and stay asleep because your core temperature is higher in the process of digestion. So that's one of the importance of stop eating three hours before bed. So, um, because your core temperature needs to drop so you can fall, your body can naturally create melatonin and can help you to sleep as well. And with that being said, and deliver some banging information as always, you know, your boy's going to have her on here for a number three. I don't know, it's probably, probably next year, but she's going to be here for a number three. And we're going to talk about this stuff again. And you know, I didn't even ask her, but you know, I'm going to guilt her into doing it because that's just how I do. And with that being said, and tell my audience, how can they learn more about your work and get in touch with you as needed? Um, I've got a website. Um, it's www.awiskonutrition.com. And you can also find me on social media. I'm on I'm Instagram, Nutrition. I'm on Facebook as well, Nutrition. I'm on LinkedIn as well, Nutrition. So you can find me on my website and on my social media handles. Perfect. And of course, you know, her contact information will be in the show notes. And you know what? The last time I think I did the show notes, zkhealth.com slash Anne or Annie. I don't quite remember anymore. But going forward, I'm just going to do zkhealth.com slash Nutrition, And then the next one's going to be Awesco Nutrition 2. And then it's going to be Awesco Nutrition 3 and so on and <laughs> so forth. And so what do we get to Awesco Nutrition 100 or something? But that's what it's going to be. Um, the show notes will be in the description of the episode. And so you can click on it, get her information and learn more about her work and be one of her clients who rave about her work. And with that being said, and thank you for being here. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this or any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, Always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.